0: Easter, Happy Easter, everybody. You look fantastic today. Did anybody tell you that yet? You, too. you look amazing. Yeah, this is my Easter shirt. I pretty much only wear this on Easter. <laughs> I want you to imagine as we think about the scripture story this morning, I want you to imagine what it was like on that very first Sunday after Jesus had died. Okay? Imagine you're one of the people who knew who Jesus was and knows what happened to him and are still in mourning over his loss. Imagine you're one of these women who had the courage to grab some spices and go to the tomb even before the sun came up to try to further prepare Jesus' body for his burial. Imagine that you get to the tomb and the stone is rolled away and there's an angel there telling you, why are you looking for the living among the dead? Jesus isn't here anymore, he's risen. You're heading back to Jerusalem to tell your friends what you saw, and if you're Mary Magdalene, you're stopped by the gardener who turns out to be Jesus. You get back to Jerusalem, and you're telling these stories, and you're saying, we think Jesus is alive. We couldn't find him in the tomb. And all of your friends, even the people who are closest to Jesus, say to you, that sounds like nonsense. We don't believe you. Then John and Peter take off, based on that story, and run to the tomb themselves to try to see what they can see, and they too find that the stone's been rolled away and the grave is empty. They head back to Jerusalem. At the same time, two men who were walking to Emmaus show up at this gathering and say, we were walking to town, and this guy started walking with us, and after a while, we realized it was Jesus. We think he's alive. So we're in this room in Jerusalem where these people are are hiding for their lives, having conversations about these bits and pieces of the story, some people wanting to believe that Jesus might be alive, and a lot of people doubting that that's even possible. In in every one of these encounters, and every one of these pieces of the story, the people who encountered Jesus had Um, even those who directly saw the empty tomb had some trouble believing that he really had come back to life. In every account in the Bible, it says that many people doubted that Jesus had risen from the grave. The very first followers of Jesus struggled on the first Sunday, on the first Easter to believe that this had actually happened. And we don't blame them, do we? It's hard to believe that someone would come back from the dead. It's not something that happens all the time. Now, many people today are struggling with this very same question. Can someone really come back from the dead? Are you going to Easter service where people are celebrating the fact that someone a long time ago came back from being dead? That's what you're doing? That seems strange to us. I've had conversations even in the last few weeks with Christians and non-Christians both who say, it's the resurrection that I really have trouble with. It's hard for me to believe that someone actually died and then wasn't dead anymore because no one's ever seen that happen in any other context. I read this last week, two accounts in the New York Times, articles in the New York Times asking the question, could this resurrection story really be true? And do you have to believe it to be a Christian? Over the last six weeks in this church, we've been having conversations about why these questions about the validity of Easter really matter and how we respond to them as Christians when our neighbors ask us these kinds of questions. Struggling with doubt and questions has been an integral part of my own faith journey. I don't know about you. God has helped me over many years to overcome many doubts that I've had about many things, including whether or not somebody could come back from the dead. Through many conversations and questions and prayers and relationships and experiences and books, too many books, struggling with doubt is what has helped me put my faith in Jesus Christ. I wouldn't be a Christian without that struggle. So it's not just the first Christians who struggled with belief in the resurrection. That struggle is alive and well today, is it not? On the first Easter, Jesus had to help these disciples, the people who were closest to him, the people who were most likely to believe that he had risen from the dead. He had to help them to overcome their doubts and their fears so that they could believe that he had really risen from the dead. Jesus helped them believe. And I want to tell you the story this morning of how he helped them overcome their doubts and their fears because I think we could use a reminder of how to overcome doubts and fears in the 21st century, right? Let's pray together before we look at the story in the scripture. Jesus, we honor and praise you today. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You have made it possible to be for us to be an intimate relationship with you. You've made it possible for us not to fear death. You've made it possible for us to understand the role that we have to play in your kingdom. And we're celebrating that today. We ask as we look at this scripture, we look at this story, that we be reminded of how much you love us and how much grace you have for us in our doubts and our questions and how much you come to where we are so that we might believe as we reaffirm our belief and our trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In Luke chapter 24, here's how the story continues from picking up some of the threads that I just re- re- um, reminded you of. Verse 36 While they were still talking about all of these things that had happened, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and look at my feet. It is I myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones as you see I have. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still did not believe, while they still did not believe it because of joy and amazement, he said to them, Do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish and he took it and ate it in their presence. Jesus knows that these people need help to believe in him, to trust him. In this scene on this Sunday night after Jesus had died, the people who love and follow Jesus are gathered together. They're putting together these stories. Some people are ready to say, He is risen. And other people are kind of going, he's risen indeed. And other people are going, he's risen? And that's where they are. And then all of a sudden, just whoa, Jesus is right there in their midst and greets them the way he had greeted them many, many times by saying, peace be with you, shalom. In all the anxiety and fear and questions that you have right now, I'm here and I offer you my peace. It's one thing to believe in the idea that Jesus came back from the dead, and a totally different thing to experience being in Jesus' presence and seeing him face to face, right? The disciples were shocked, the disciples were afraid, they thought they saw a ghost, they needed help to believe that Jesus was really, really alive, and so how does God respond to our doubts and our questions? Jesus could have easily not appeared to anyone and said, isn't it obvious there's an empty tomb, I'm not there anymore, there's an angel, what else do you need to help you accept this reality? He doesn't say any of that. He comes right to them again the way they need him to and says, peace be with you. He helps them believe through his presence. He shows them his body. He shows them the hands. He says, look, this is where they put the nails. Touch me if it helps you. Pass that terrible fish you have. Because it's probably terrible, right? They're not eating great salmon. They're eating broiled fish. Has anybody had broiled fish? It's terrible. Pass the fish. Pass the fish and I will eat it and show you that I'm not a ghost. His body is real. He's not a ghost. He invites them to touch him. Jesus helps them believe by allowing them to experience his presence. We desperately need to experience God's presence in the 21st century if we're going to believe. I had a story of a brand new friend that I just met for the first time last week, but I know we're going to be friends. And we were kind of sharing background stories And he started to tell me about a really hard time in his life when his wife was very sick and they lost a baby. Uh, She was pregnant, they lost the baby. And she was on death's door and people were praying for them and somehow miraculously she experienced healing and and her life was spared. And as he's telling me this story, emotional story, right? And he's saying to me, um, you know, I just can't even, I look back on that season of our life and I can't imagine making it through now without, and because I have a terrible habit of finishing people's sentences, I said, faith. And he looked at me and he goes, well, yeah, faith. But what I was going to say, if you would have let me finish my sentence, he didn't say that, but that's what his face told me. He said, I was going to say church. I don't know how people make it through seasons of life like that without church. And I said, what do you mean by that? He said, I, I can't express to you the care and concern that we received and the help that we received and the prayers that we received when I thought I was going to lose my wife and we had a -a one-and-a-half-year-old baby. My faith was strengthened because of the way that the church responded in one of my most desperate times. We don't get to experience seeing Jesus face-to-face right now, right? The way the early Christians did. But we experience Jesus in the 21st century through the work of God's Spirit present in the people who have put their trust and their faith in Jesus Christ. When the church is really the church, when it is at its best, when it is what God created it to be, it's Jesus with skin on among us, right? I think this is one reason why having a bad church experience, some of you have had bad church experiences, and at Mill City, We've learned that one of the purposes of our church is to try to help people who have had hard church experiences give church another chance. I think one of the reasons why those experiences are so devastating is because in our hearts, we know that what church is supposed to be when it's at its best is that we would experience Jesus in real life through each other. And when that goes badly, it's, it's hard to even hold on to your faith, isn't it? Some of you have questioned your faith in your Christian faith because your experience in some churches have been so bad. Since we can't see Jesus in person right now, we have to experience Jesus through the people who know him and believe in him. That's what he calls us to do is be witnesses of his in this world. And when that doesn't happen, it's very difficult to get past it. So Jesus wants us to experience him. One of the ways that Jesus helps us to believe is by experiencing him through the presence of God's Spirit and through the work of the church in the community. This is why being the church matters so much in the 21st century. People need to know that faith is real, not just an idea. But it wasn't enough for the followers of Jesus to see him and to experience his presence. They also needed to understand the whole story. So here's what he says next to them. He says, this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Jesus helps them believe by opening their minds so they can see the big picture of God's story across all of scripture. And no one really knows exactly how he did that or what they heard or what he said. Lots of people wish they knew how he did that or what he explained to them. Uh, And since there are no experts on this, I'm going to tell you what I think he said, okay? This is purely hypothetical on my part. But I think he helped them to understand that Jesus is the fulfillment of the whole story of Scripture and that Jesus is the center of the story at every part. So when the world was created, they had to understand that Jesus didn't just appear when he was born to Mary. He was, he was existing at the beginning of creation. God created the world through Jesus. And when sin entered the story through Adam and Eve, God already knew that Jesus was the solution to the effects of sin in the world. And when God promised to bless the whole world through Abraham's descendants, he had Jesus in mind. When the people of Israel entered into the new land that God promised to them so they could worship God at the temple, it was a precursor to understanding that through faith in Jesus, we all can experience God's presence in our life every day. When Israel broke their covenant with God and was sent into exile, the prophets promised that a Messiah and a savior would come and they were talking about Jesus. At every point in the scripture, Jesus is the center. He helped the disciples understand in this room, gathered with their doubts. See, this is how the story all points to me. I am the cornerstone. The biblical story is authenticated. Isn't authenticity the most important thing in the world these days? The biblical story is authenticated by the risen Jesus. We can trust it because Jesus rose from the dead. And not only is the experience of seeing Jesus important, but also understanding not just a set of rules or beliefs, but a narrative that shapes your life. A narrative that shapes the life of all of creation. And Jesus is saying, here, let your mind be open to understand the whole story because because this story is true, forgiveness is free for anyone who would accept it. Amen? So Jesus helped these first disciples through both experiencing his presence and understanding the story, and then the last thing he does for them is he gives them a role to play. Let me read you these last two verses here. He says, you are witnesses of these things, everything that's happening. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. This is a really important part. It might seem like the next step, but it isn't the next step. It's part of being able to believe. Not only do they need to experience Jesus, not only do they have to understand the whole story, but they needed a role to play. They needed a a way to participate in what God was doing right in front of their faces. So he helps them to understand by giving them a role as witnesses. He says, wait for the Holy Spirit to be given to you, and then you're gonna go to the ends of the earth telling this story and helping people experience Jesus Christ. They are sent out to preach repentance for the forgiveness of sins in Jesus' name, beginning at Jerusalem. So in the past, Jerusalem was the place where everyone would gather because that's where God was. And what Jesus is saying to them here is, Now we're going to start at Jerusalem, but it's the hub now. It's not the destination. And because of your experiences, you're going to go from Jerusalem as witnesses to every other corner of the earth to let people know that God forgives everyone, that Jesus has conquered death, that the good news of God's kingdom is available to anybody who will receive it. Let me invite the band to come back up. I'm almost done. It's really hard to believe without playing a role. Let me just talk about this for one minute. On Easter Sunday, you cannot leave Easter Sunday thinking, if I've experienced Jesus and I understand the story, then I, then I get it, I believe. Belief takes action. And for some of you who may have been wrestling with doubts for a long time, I'd encourage you, maybe you get the story, maybe you have experienced some good that comes through the church in your life, but you have never accepted the idea that maybe there's an important role for you to play, and once you step into that role, it allows you to believe. Sometimes you have to act your way into believing rather than waiting for belief to drive your action. And I think even though they had doubts, they clearly don't know what's going on. I'm sure they were sitting there going, we don't even know what we're witnessing to totally, but apparently we have a job now. We are witnesses of all these things and they were gonna fumble through it and figure it out as the Holy Spirit led them. That's what we do at Mill City. We fumble through it and figure it out as we ask what God is inviting us to do, right? We are participants in what God is doing and that participation helps us to believe. So let me finish by saying uh, this text outlines for us some clear things that are great about Easter, Here's, here, why don't you say these things with me, would you? What's so great about Easter? I'll say Jesus helps us believe, and then you follow by saying the, the byes. Jesus helps us believe by, offering peace. by showing his scars, by, by eating with us, by helping us understand God's story, by forgiving our sins, by calling us to be witnesses. Jesus knows we need help to believe. So when you leave today, I hope you hear me saying, I think Jesus understands that in the 21st century. And whatever you need, Jesus is wanting to bring it to you. Whether it's experience, whether it's story, whether it's a role to play, you are invited to trust Jesus with your life. We're gonna uh, extend our worship by participating in communion. And let me just say that Jesus taught the disciples to remember him by sharing this bread and wine that the bread represents his body broken for them and the the wine represents this blood shed for him. And so 2,000 years later, we're taking bread and juice and we're taking now gluten-free bread that also doesn't taste super great and dipping it in grape juice as a way to remember together what Christ has done for us but also as a way to affirm our belief that we have experienced Jesus, that we understand the larger story, and that we get, that we have a role to play because we are saved to be part of what God is doing in the world. So if you are a follower of Jesus and you wanna celebrate and affirm that belief in your life today, you are welcome to participate in communion. The way we do that at Mill City is uh, during the next song, you can get up from your chair whenever you're ready Come down either one of these aisles, take the bread, which will be given to you, dip it in the juice, and, and eat it as your way back to your seat. This is our, our act of confession today that we are trusting Jesus even in the midst of our doubts and our questions because he loves us and he invites us to believe in him. Let me pray before we take communion. Jesus, I love the story of the gentleman who says to you, I believe, help my unbelief. For many of us, we come before you wanting to believe, wanting to be reassured, wanting to live our lives out of that belief. And at times we have questions and doubts, but we know that you know those things about us and you wanna meet us right where we are. And so through this communion, God, we express our willingness to trust you, to be forgiven for our sins and our mistakes, to have a clean slate and to proclaim your victory over death that we will not be afraid. And we will live into the calling that you have for us, for our church, for the big church in the world. Thank you for all that you've done for us. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen just a reminder as you go out on Easter Sunday. God came in human form as Jesus Christ. He lived among us, he was fully man and fully God. He gave up his life as a completely innocent person, willingly turned over his life and allowed himself to be killed so that every wrong that's ever been done in the history of mankind and humankind can be forgiven. Grace is freely offered to anybody who will receive it. Place their trust, their belief, their faith in Jesus Christ as their hope. And if you have received that and believed in it, then you have eternal life that starts now and continues forever. And in the end, Jesus will return and make every wrong right and defeat defeat sin and defeat death and return the world to the way in which God intended it to be. This is the good news of God's kingdom on Easter. God bless you.